trusted and proven, pushing the limits on every shot. We never fear failure. Join us as we set ourselves against the odds, bringing you cutting-edge voices in every industry. This is the Ironclad Podcast. Well, Dom, we're excited to have you today. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Dom Rosso, the man, the adaptive man. We were just talking before we started rolling. Is that how, a new label now? Yeah, well, I was thinking man. like, what do I, how do I define you, right? Uh, and you're a hard man to define. You're defined by principles and, and, and passion and influence and warrior spirit. But what you're doing right now is always adapting, right? And it's always growing. And just from the time I've known you, what, it's been three years now, four years maybe? Yeah, four. It's yeah. If I if if I labeled you as a uh, before, what I knew of you was your career, right? And then I started seeing it develop into a public career, and now I know you as a family man and so much more. And it's just been a fun ride to watch. So when I when I described everybody who you are, I'm sure most people already know you, right? You you've done pretty good with getting out there, but uh, just a man of impact, and it's been awesome to watch and awesome to chat with you and and build a friendship. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, you know, sometimes that feedback to me is always, you know, I listen to it and, and I'm trying to do, ever since I got out of the military, I've been trying to do everything I can to make that impact. You know, I'm always driven by purpose. I mean, that was a big part of what took me through my career and constantly assessing, okay, that purpose drove me, that honor drove me through my career. I made that transition. But you see the feedback that you get from people. You see the impact that you make in people's lives. And I always talk about, you know, what's success. And a lot of the times I've been having conversations with people and the first thing that you need to do is define what that means to you. What does success mean to you? What is valuable to you? You know, all those things. But as I started that transition and really watching the impact of my efforts and, and my business and just the people that I cared about, it was, it, it continued to evolve. I mean, everything that I've done has continued to evolve. And when you're growing, Everybody in life is constantly trying to figure out how do I how do I become a better version of myself? How do I work on my mindset? How do I work on my physical performance? And each aspect of your life, you know, in order to progress, we really need to be improving each one of those things. So I think to me, it's just been a, a fun journey as well, figuring it out, like what works, what doesn't work. I mean, bottom line is that how many people do you know that are quote unquote successful, but they've failed again and again and again. And that's not something that you typically think about when you go into something that's exciting to you. You're like, this is going to be awesome. I love it. I found something that's going to be great. But you're not necessarily front-loading all the failures that you're going to see. And it's almost even instinctually, we brush it off. We're like, that's going to get uncomfortable. It's going to suck. I'm going to have to engage the world to fight. And it's easy to kind of brush those things off and just focus on the things that are going to be awesome. And that's a perfect world. And I think that as you go through this journey, you start to figure out, like, I start to love the things that are going to challenge me and stretch my mind and grow. So it's almost like I'm seeking those at this point. It's like, what else can I seek that's going to show me something about myself? And then you see that almost impact the people around you. You know, you're able to teach that. You're able to show other people, look, this is where I failed, you know, and I have four kids. So when I think about my kids, it's like, this is where I failed and this is where you can do it better. You know, my whole family or people that have worked with me or that I work with right now is like, this is where I've learned. This is where I've failed. Let's improve and put the best possible scenario together for us to be successful together. You know, do you think that too many people, especially uh, guys with your background where there's so many no fail missions there's so much stuff where sometimes you got to fight through it, just tough through it. Do you think it's, it's easy to turn a blind eye and just muscle through and almost recognizing the failures is 
that's where you grow the most, you know, being able to recognize, learn from, I was, I was listening to, I was reading a statistic, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, they've all missed more shots. They, they, they're like the leading in, in points scored in the NBA, but they're also leading in shots missed in the NBA. Which Nobody thinks about that, yeah, which is crazy. Yeah. And the big part of that too is it's a mindset shift. So I, I talked about failing, right? I think Tom Brady posted about it too. And I might even have said it to him at some point. But there's no such thing as failure. It's only an opportunity to learn. And that's where the mindset shift starts to happen. And that's that evolution of, of your inner personal understanding of who you are and who you're becoming is that I can do something and it might not go exactly the way I wanted it to, but that's where the adaptation comes in. That's where you have to adapt, adapt and shift focus or change your energy to towards something else. And that's where the mindset of understanding is like, I didn't fail at something. I just learned way more than I thought I knew already. And that's where that what allows you to adapt along the way, you know. It's good, but I think so many people see what they define success as, right? And right. and everyone says success is different, right? What are they driving? What kind of house they have? What's the you know how many followers? But if you look at people through uh, a lens of success, quote unquote success, oftentimes they're multiple marriages. They've their kids are in shambles. There there there's so many things that have given in order to get them to the quote-unquote success viewpoint in so many other aspects. And I think that's really interesting how success has kind of been defined through perception uh, in our culture. And and success means so many different things to so many people, and some people don't even necessarily know what it means. <laughs> you know, I think defining your values and your pillars and, and what those things mean to you is is one of the biggest things. And, and to me at this point in life, success is living within my mission, right? My, my life's mission and living within the principles that I stand for. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what success means to you and, and how do you, how did you land on that? Did you have to learn the hard way? Yeah, totally. So success, just listening to you and kind of analyzing the definition is people go through their whole life being programmed a certain way. So from the day that you're born, Here's a Webster's Dictionary. Now, if I say, what's the definition of success? Well, the textbook answer is to go to the, the Webster Dictionary and say, this is what it's telling me. But we're programmed with a certain definition based off of our experiences, our emotional responses, and everything that we've already seen from now until, say, I'm 37 years old. So in order to think differently or have a different approach on anything in our lives, let's use success as an example, we have to really f look at some hard truths about what we really think success means to us now and what we want it to mean. And the definition is that that's how we started this whole thing. It's like, what is your definition? Most of the time, those pillars, those values, those goals, everything that you have going on in your life, everybody that I know that's successful or doing well in life or happy or any one of those things has taken the time to write down and write out what it means to them. They've taken the time to say, okay, I'm going to write about success today, success. Here's my definition of what it means to me. And in order to reprogram what we've been taught over a long period of time, if your def definition of success is, is came, came out of the dictionary, then you have to have a conversation with yourself to say, is that what you want it to mean? Or do you have different expectations of what it should mean? And then you talked about perception of our culture. Cult this culture is so toxic when it comes to what's on social media and what the media is pumping through the airwaves, I consume 
very, very, very little. I don't even know a percentage to tell you. I watch one movie a week at the most. I am very calculated with who I follow on social media. It has to align with everything that I believe is progressing in my life and stretching my mind in a good way. It, like the filter that I've created with everything that's coming into my home, into my mind. Our subconscious is an extremely powerful thing and it's built from the day that we're born. So in order to apply that to everything that we're doing now, you basically have to confront almost like you're gonna, you have to confront yourself almost like you're gonna kill the old you. You have to murder your old self in order to think differently than you have in the past. And in order to move in a new direction, you have to be able to, if you're hardwired after 37 years of thinking, think of the effort it's gonna take in order to think and change your actions now today. You have to undo all this stuff that you think you know about life. So it's a serious challenge. They talk about creating habits, 60 to 90 days to lock that stuff in. Well, you have to be very conscious of those 60 to 90 days of what you're actually doing. One day off and you skip, you're right back to where you were for the last 37 years or 20 years or 50 years or wherever you think that you came from. So you're hardwired from birth and in order to define success today, you have to be able to confront, not only write that down what you want it to mean, but then figure out that everything else in your life is going to support your definition to get where you want to go and then visualize those big goals. So to me, success has definitely been redefined over and over and over again from when I was in the military to when I got out of the military. And it had something to do with money at some point. I think maybe right around when I got out of the military, like money was in there. Like I said the word money at some point. And I had a second kid on the way. We had no idea what we we're going to do. I was transitioning out of the military. I had no career path. It was one of those moments where I was like freaking out, but I had faith. I was like, I'm going to figure it out. But it was certainly a lot of stress added to just having another kid. So money is that constant pull. I think a lot of people in our culture can relate to finances and how toxic and how bad that thinking can be. If we always are leaning on money, there can always be more of it out there, right? And really, at the end of the day, no matter what your lifestyle is, it always feels like sometimes it's never enough. So it's a bad place to be. So at some point, maybe finances was a part of my success definition. And then what I started to realize over time is like all the money in the world can't buy the 10 minutes that I've been talking so far. And once that time is gone, it's gone forever. And we're here in a blink of an eye. You know, Dakota Meyer, what does he say all the time? You know, own the dash, right? It's the dash in between the dates that you were born to when you die. We're in here in the blink, we're here in the blink of an eye, we're gone. Eternity that was before us and eternity that is after us is a long freaking time. You know, uh, George Washington, he's been dead for a long time. He's not coming back. You know, like people that exist in this world and you're gone in the blink of an eye. So each second is so valuable. And the intention that you need to put behind that with every moment of your life is so important. And what I started to realize over this last several years of running businesses, uh, having relationships, uh, strengthening my family, having four children, is that how we spend our time is one of the most valuable things that we need to lead with on a daily basis. We shouldn't be doing anything that doesn't fire us up to be the best version of ourselves. And unfortunately, and I'm going to get to my definition here in a second, but unfortunately, I think what we've seen is for lack of a better term, call it brainwashing in our society over the last 20, 30, 40 years of how we're supposed to be reacting and acting in this life. You come in at nine, you leave at five, you go buy your six pack, you sit on the couch and watch Netflix and then repeat over and over and over again. And I probably just explained 70% of America 
And it's unfortunate because that's not who we're supposed to be. That's not who we're called to be. And that's certainly not going to allow you to reach your full potential. I mean, what people are capable of is so amazing to me and what people choose to do with their time. What's helped me is obviously seeing my brothers leave this earth again and again and again, right in front of me, being pulled and uprooted at the best part of their lives, at the focal point of their lives. It made me have to reflect again and again and again. And when you have to fill out your will 10 times in a row and refine it and have a kid and fill out your will, it it gets you to reflect on some things. That's why I always talk about like, look at the day that you're going to be sitting in your casket. What is it to you? And I used to say my last definition of success and I think that success, in, in a sense, is almost a principle that you should apply to your life because most people think that they need it. They think they need success. Okay, well, if you think you need success, let's define it. My second to last version of what success meant to me was having control over my time doing what I love. Okay, that was what I said to myself probably for about two to three years. And it seemed to make sense. So I was like, okay, I need control of my time in order to do what I love. Whether that's doing what I love on the job and building gear and training people and improving myself as a warrior or spending time with my kids. But at this point, this makes sense to me because where it's evolved to today, and I can't tell you it won't be different a week from now, but I can tell you what I've learned is maybe apply this. So my definition of success today is strengthening my worst case scenario to be the best case scenario. So I'm strengthening my best case scenario at the worst parts of my life. I know life is a fight. I know life is a struggle. There's not one person that's listening to this and there's not one person in this room that hasn't had to or going to have to deal with some type of adversity in their life that's gonna kick them and throw them down to their knees. And we're all going to have to have that element. So understanding that and understanding that we know we're all going to get there why wouldn't we be investing everything that we possibly could into the people around us that are going to help us through those scenarios? That's why faith is so important to me because at the end of the day, I've been, we've all probably been in places in our lives where it's like, wow, nobody's coming to help me. Nobody's going to be here through this adversity. And you're lucky enough and blessed enough to be able to have a few people that will show up. You know, my wife, my father, my brother, like people that are around you that are really going to be there for you. And I always reflected on what my father told me. And it's like, you're never going to be able to count your best friends on, you know, you're only going to be able to count your best friends on one hand and you can't use your thumb. And I was always like, oh, that's interesting. I have a lot of friends. I have like 20 or 30 friends I go to school with. We talk all the time. My dad always just, you know, very nicely smiled and was like, yeah, you know, that's cool. You'll figure it out someday. And now that I have a bunch of older friends, I'm like, hey, how many real friends do you have? And most of the time, the answer usually gets like one or two people that you really confide in. And as we start to realize this, you know, I went through some some pretty difficult and challenging relationship stuff over the last several years, really analyzing, you know, when you're successful or you're moving in a good direction or you find something that's really important to you, you start to realize who's around you and what they're there for. And I think that's important is going into those, those things. So relationships to me have been an important part of assessing what success means to me as well. And one thing that really stuck out to me is relationships and the three types of relationships we are. And we can get into this more, but that was... That was my definition of success today is strengthening my best case scenario when I'm sitting on my deathbed, when I'm kicked down to my knees, when I'm dealing with a life-threatening illness or I get T-boned leaving here now today. is like, who's going to be around me? You know, who's going to support me? And also on the opposite end of the spectrum as well, who are you going to be there for when that happens? If somebody gets T-boned or gets cancer or has a loved one that, that 
passes away unexpectedly, who are you really going to step up and say, I will be there for you? In a day of, hey, thoughts are with you, uh, you know, pray symbol or whatever you do on Instagram or social media, like that's awesome. But what does it really bring to as far as value to that person? And we really need to dig deep is that when I when that helo went down and I realized, I was like, whoa, I have a lot of best friends here. I have a lot of like guys that I've worked with that I've really went into the, the trenches with. And to analyze like the the widows and the children that were left behind, it was like there's really, I want to do everything that I possibly can and I ran myself into the ground trying to do that. But to have the realization of like, I can't be there for everybody. There's no possible way. I could never say I'm going to be here for everybody at the same time. It's just not humanly possible. And at the end of the day, there's, bigger things that we can do in order to make that type of an impact. But I think the way I perceived it wasn't going to be like, I wasn't going to be able to show up to everybody's doorstep and hang out with the kids and be able to, you know, hang out with them or play ball with them or, you know, that idea kind of started to fizzle really quickly because you start to realize. So the valuable time that we have and those relationships that we have in our lives are so important. So I'm strengthening my best case scenario. And I believe that it's up to me to do that for the people that I really care about around me too and understand who I'm going to be there for at the end of the day. So that time and how we spend it, it really has nothing to do with money until it does. So the second that I realize that that time is being challenged because of a financial issue or a financial challenge, that's where I have to turn and start paying attention to the money. That's where I'm like, okay, um, if I would have, to, if you would ask me right now, like Dom, would you rather have, if the question was, would you rather have a million dollars or five minutes with your kid? And that was the choice. I would pick the five minutes with my kid all day long. But if you allowed me to do the calculation and go outside of the parameters and it wasn't in a vacuum, then I would say, okay, well that can, that million dollars protect two weeks at time, two months from now, if I invest it the right way. And now we get to do a calculation. So it's checks and balances. The money means nothing to me. The amount of money means nothing to me. The amount of money means something to me when it is able to be calculated and measured up with the time that I'd be able to spend. So all that being said, it's just a perspective for me to what I've learned and what I apply today to be able to look at that, that worst case scenario or best case scenario. Are you doing that through visualization? Or like, are you visualizing the worst case scenario and how are you going to react to that? Is that how you're doing those? Or, or what are you doing for self-auditing? to really kind of define those things and see those chinks in the armor or that what, to define what those worst case scenarios are? Well, I don't think I'm overthinking what the, what the worst case or best case scenarios are. I mean, I just know that they exist in the world. They're, right. they're going to happen. And it's like, I'm not necessarily living a life where I'm like waiting for the shoe to drop. Like, when's it going to happen? But I believe that it allows you to visualize pretty strongly about if you go down that road, Who's really going to be here and right. who am I really going to be there for? So I think visualization does have a part of it. Right. I also think experience has helped me a lot. Yeah. You know, going through what I've been through, you know, seeing the guys, you know, I mean, I, I countless scenarios. If I, if I have to sit here and count, I can't even count off the top of my head how many guys that I've been with, with that have gotten killed. So the visualization for me is powerful in the sense of how am I investing into that time and that worst case scenario. So I think that that's one aspect that does help is visualization. But I think the experience is, is one thing too that, that's helped me to look Yeah, you at can draw on that. Yep. I think it's interesting that you said about the money and, and, and your perspective on that. Um, you know, what I like is, you know, money doesn't buy happiness, but it buys time and it, and it allows you to help others. It allows you to do things. So 
what you said there, like you said, when you can draw, pull yourself out of the vacuum and look, what does this million dollars do? I think it's valuable. And that comes from wisdom and it comes from experience. You know, when you first start in business or anything else is how much capital can I get? You know, so I buy things, fun stuff, boat, cars, this, that, that's what you're thinking. Like, but then you realize when you really start identifying your values, you really start identifying what's of value to you. What can this capital empower me to do? Or what can this capital allow me to make impact to others with? Like, that's how you start thinking. And, that, and when that mindset sh shifts, that's when you're wealthy. You know, when, when you're able to deploy that capital to impact people's lives or to be an asset for those when they're down or, in, or fix the worst case scenario for people, I think that's when you go from like a rich mentality to a wealth mentality. And uh, it's some, you, I, I found it only sometimes happens through adversity when you really like, oh man, that's what it's about. You know, uh, you never really, for me, I've never really noticed it when the money's coming. The money's coming, I, you know, when I was younger, it was just, it was more just my vision. How can I fuel my vision? And I wasn't thinking beyond that. And uh, it was never about watches or anything crazy. But that is what programmatically is happening to our kids. Watches, new phone, new kicks, cars. It's, I even find myself, like you, I, 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 I even audit, like, what night, what type of content I'm going to take in. Whether this one is, like, self-development, this one might be spiritual content, this one might be business. So I'm at a point now where I'm, like, truly, truly trying to be as aware as possible of the content that I'm taking in. But even today, man, I had to post this thing on our on our instagram i say i had to i chose to post this thing on our instagram i'm in a parking lot uh, i was going to get this kombucha and i look up and this lady was going across the street I, I, well, I see this girl standing by herself eating apple looking at her mom walk across the parking lot to give this homeless guy money walk back and i was thinking what kind of impact that woman just had on her daughter her daughter's watching her Say, hey, hold her right here, baby, and went across and paid. I was like, I, I almost missed that moment. I mean, it spoke to me. It challenged me. What am I doing? You know, walking in. I'm not paying attention to anyone. I'm focusing on my job. I'm just going in. And uh, I could have missed that just from me posting this thing. But as you allow more content, you allow distractions, and you allow these things, you, your impact just dwindles and dwindles and dwindles. And then your purpose dwindles and dwindles and dwindles. And then you get depressed and sad, and you lose sight of things. It's, it, and it's... It's default mode now for most people. Yeah. The, the distractions out there are insane. You the have to be vigilant with them. So I, I've done a lot of things in my life. I mean, there's a lot of areas I could break down personally, like what am I dealing with? But, you know, drinking has been something that's been a part of the community for a long time. And I'll never not like pick up a glass and say, yeah, I'll do a toast. But I stopped drinking. And for our community and for people like, you know, that, that's not an easy thing to do. For me, it was because I just made the conscious decision. I was like, well, if I'm really trying to be the best physical shape I can possibly be and I can want to be the best physical and mental and spiritual shape that I can possibly be, why am I, why am I drinking? It's not adding up to who I want to become. So every detail of, of what we're doing on a daily basis is so important. And the distractions that are out there with social media, I challenge everybody. I even wrote it down because... I was talking to the guys in Armor Up, our new fitness program that we released. And I was talking to the guys in Armor Up. I was like, hey, look, I truly care about you guys in this program. I want you to be the best physical, mental, spiritual shape that you can possibly be. I was like, I'm going to be so bold to say, turn your notifications off on everything, even what I'm saying to you on a daily basis. 
I don't want to distract you when you should be focusing on your kids. I don't want to distract you when you should be doing something else. You should be turning everything off. If your phone lights up for anything other than the fact that it's super important and it's somebody that needs you right there and then in the present, you can do an immediate action, you shouldn't be bothered by it. Because we live in a mode now where if I had all those on, I couldn't keep up with what's coming in. So now I can't filter all the data. The endorphins feel the same. Right, the dopamine that I'm getting from all the information that's like, hey, somebody needs you, something's going on, there's something important, there's a news alert. Your body starts to have a hard time, your mind starts to have a hard time processing and filtering all the things that are coming through. So something that's insignificant and something that's really significant just kind of seems the same at this point. And you have to recreate that filter for yourself. So I'm always, I always tell people, turn everything off. I don't want you to hear from me in the middle of the day. Check, come back on and see what I posted later on. And I don't hear anybody putting that out. And that's the truth. That's what we should be guiding people to do. Don't get distracted. Like if you're truly be trying to become something, you have to ask yourself, is what you're doing and what you're consuming and what you're taking in aligning with your vision of where you want to go? If you don't have a vision of where you want to go, guess what? It's time to stop and get the vision of where you want to go and what you want to be. And, it take, and you have to take action on it immediately. So there's always a sense of urgency behind what I want to do. But I believe people are distracted beyond our understanding. There's not even data that can really sit here and tell you real time how distracting your phone and all this technology is around you to pull you away. Uh, and, and we probably won't even really understand because it's moving and evolving so fast. We're probably not really going to understand the effect that technology is having on our children until probably about 30 or 40 years from now to really lock them in. And you walk in my house, and it's a total different world than what you're seeing. Every, just about every family that I, that I hang out with or do anything with, I mean, their kids are locked on the iPhone. If they're out to dinner, they're, that's all they do. And their brain is being engaged with this media device that is bas basically babysitting them. And we don't even know what the hell they're watching half the time. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. They're, and they're not only babysitting them, it's indoctrinating them. Right. It's scary, man. Right. I was at Chicks. I was outside. It was a beautiful night. It's like, I think it was September. It's perfect weather, sunset, seagulls. You see, still see crabs in the water. There's kids with earphones on, like this, with iPads as their parents are talking. I was thinking, we're on the deck out here. I can't do it. We're on the deck out here. Like, as a kid, I'd be poking things with sticks and stuff. But, but we had the luxury of not having that. When we were kids, so now it's on the parents. I mean, the discipline has to be there, on the parents. and and we blame it on the kids, and their kids are turning to shit, blah. But no, it's no. it's the parents, it, man. So when you look at our society, again, I go back to our culture, our cultural indoctrination over the last twenty years. You have a public school system, and you have a corporate society, which people have basically been. I go to work at eight. I drop my kid off at the school bus. I go to work. They get babysat all day and get taught something. I have no idea what they're getting taught, and it's getting even worse today. Then we come home. We high-five. They usually beat me home because I have to work till 5, and then whatever happens to them. Then I come home. I high-five with them. I make sure that they're getting their homework done. They go lock themselves into a room. They're doing whatever they're doing. You, you prepare dinner, and then you, maybe you link up at the dinner table, and probably everybody's on their phone, at least from what I've seen. We don't do that in our house. But eventually... It's like, where are we even engaging with each other? And the problem with that is, is that I see people become so selfish. It's me, me, me. There's no connection to what happens after you leave here. There's a legacy that we're all leaving. 
And especially if you have children, like that legacy is left with your kids. And it is 100% up to you to take action on that. Every bit of data that my kids get, and I smiled a little bit when you talk about being at Chicks. Because I can't get my kid to stop poking things. And yeah, and that's the, the best but part I love of it. it. Yeah. And, and honestly, I think, you know, my wife and I talk about this. I was like, I think anybody that would meet our kid that's like in the normal system would probably be like, well, he, need, he probably needs some medication or something. You know, but that's the reaction. If the kid's not completely just locked in, just being nonchalant, it's like, I want him to have abnormal energy. I want him to be, you know, proactive with trying to figure out what's new in the world. I mean... It's really important to build their brains. From one to six is critical. So to put technology in front of them, I always use this as an explanation on this because I, I get this question all the time. How do I know when it's safe or the right time to teach my kids about firearm safety? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. So when I look at their ability to learn and understand, it has nothing to do with age. Every kid's going to learn at different ages. My daughter, my son, everybody's going to have a different level which they understand something. The real parameter and guideline for knowing where to start anything, and this is with me teaching combatives or teaching my kids about firearm safety. Do they know why they're doing it? Do they understand the why? Because if they don't understand the why, if I put a gun in front of them and I say, this is a Nerf gun, this is a real gun. Do you know the difference? Now, I could go into how I find that answer, but the truth of the matter is if they look at both as equal and there's no parameter or contrast between the two, guess what? It's not time to start teaching them about firearm safety because they don't know the why they're doing it in the first place. So it's like anything else that goes into their mind. If they don't have context with what they're learning on YouTube and this video pops up, I mean, that can hurt their brain forever. It can, it can go into their mind about what's truth and what isn't truth. And you just got to be very careful with what you're putting in front of your kid and how they're developing. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, man. And, and I find myself becoming more and more aware or convicted probably is a better word of it, uh, of all the little things every day. And, and it's, it's that vigilance that you have to have as a parent that you just have to constantly assess and rethink, where do I stand on this? You know, self-reliance by Emerson when he talks about like, don't be afraid to contradict yourself. You know, you might stand for one thing one day, but when you relook at it, you're like, man, my values change, or you know, my perspective changes. It's the reality as I, as a as a parent, I've become more empathetic to the world. I feel like I can understand why someone's a trophy parent. I'm not. I'm not going to be that, but I can see why someone loves their kids so much. They just want to give them a trophy, and this, I get it. I don't think it's good for you, but I have empathy for it. I have empathy for all these different things now that I never thought I would have, but. Uh, Man, I have a deeper conviction. Any, even if I pull out my phone, I'm like, I, I really think like, could I get this second back with the kid if I needed to, if I wanted to? And I take it for granted all the time, and I think we all do. It's very easy to fall into that, that vigilance and, and just constantly self-assessing is so important. So important, man. Yeah, the, the, the leadership, and I mean, it's been one of the most beautiful challenges in my life is trying to teach my children you came from being out all the time when you they were still super young right yeah yeah absolutely I mean, when, my, when you were when you were when you were in you had two i had two i had my second one as i was getting ready to get out and your mindset's always like i gotta get I, you're forward thinking right when you when you're in there and you have the young the youngest right yep. or the oldest now how did that shift and what did it take to kind of start shifting like well, the, the biggest thing for me was, you know, a new journey in life. You know, it was just me and me and my wife. You know, we were together. You're taking care of each other. You're in a relationship. And when I had my first child, it was like 
to me, not really anything changed. And I really didn't know what part I was supposed to take in that. And that's why I always tell people that are going to be new parents. I'm like, hey, I'm like, the first year, I was like, embrace that. It's always the most difficult challenge. We've talked about that yeah, before. Yeah. Because that first year, you've really got to understand your role because things change immediately. So, Plus, as a dude, you don't know how capable you are of loving. I mean, like, like when you first have, for me at least, when I first had this kid, like I, I, it was my duty to protect it. I understood everything. I loved this child. But I never knew the bond. I never knew the relationship. I never knew that the increase that would happen day and day and day. So that first year you're still growing this love to a point where now you're like every kid you have, you know what you're capable oh, yeah. of loving. Yeah. 100%. And it's more and more and more. It it's, is. It's it weird, really is. man. And, and when I had my daughter, you know, after having my son in that first year going by, then year two is like each kid that I have now from the second they're born, I know how critical each moment that I get with them is even from just talking to them or, staring at them or changing a diaper or just crawling around on the ground. Like they're so important and critical to building that bond and that relationship. And I've grown tremendously. It's like, I, that's one of my favorite things to do, man. And it's not easy. And I learn every day because this is the first time I've ever had a nine-year-old. Yeah, <laughs> I've never had a nine-year-old <laughs> before and I'm never going to have a 10-year-old. So each step of the way is new. And then also having these other kids, uh, you know, following as well. Having four is definitely a challenge. Yeah. I mean, most people these days, I think, they don't have more than one Dude, or two. Dude, I got two and I'm worn out. Yeah, but it's awesome. It's an amazing thing. Yeah. Look, how many times have I run into somebody that's like, man, if I could do anything again, I would have more kids or I would have spent more time with my kids. I mean, it's the number one thing I hear. Successful it's guys and it is. And I hear that all the time though, but that's where I've changed as an entrepreneur to be like, I even hear Gary Vee talk about it. Yeah. And he goes out there, he's making an impact, he's doing really good, but I hear underlying things through the cloud that he's talking. I'm like, ooh, okay, I, he knows even I'm going out there and sacrificing this time. So I just, I'm flipping that on its head where I don't want to ever look back and say that. So I'm being extremely proactive with all my kids at every step of the way. I take them into work with me. I'll, I'll leave work. I try to get every weekend. I don't travel anymore. I mean, and it's very counterintuitive to be like, hey, I'm going to go be a go-getter and get after it and be an entrepreneur and I got to sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. But like, to me, I had to have the introspection of what am I doing all this for? What is all this for? It's for them. It's for the future of the world. And if I can't look my kids in the eye and say, hey, I left to go grind and be away from you and miss your dance or miss your tournament or miss this because I was out doing this thing. If that thing doesn't honor them in a way where like, hey, if you were killed on this trip, they're like, oh, well, he missed this. That was really important to me, but he was doing something that was a worthy cause. I think that's where the checks and balances come in to say, am I honoring them? Is my purpose and what I'm doing giving them something to, to look at to say, all right, I didn't really get to know my dad that well, but he was always there for me or, you know, whatever the case is. So when you now, now when you say you don't travel anymore, you don't, and you're, you're focusing, is that while you're still developing what you're doing and how you're, how you're um, constantly adapting. Are you, are you, is that the season you're in now is because think about like King David, you yeah. know, or, or any of these people of impact, right? Like there, there's the, even when you're, when you're in, right. When you're in the teams, like you're out and, and there's, it's a necessary thing and they're sacrificing with you. When is that balance? Is there a balance or is it just seasonality? You kind of have to find that and assess that. What are you seeing as you, kind of mature in your in your profession now 
Well, I'll, I'll still travel. I mean, obviously, I, I want to travel. The thing is, I travel a lot with my family at this right. point. I'd say probably every other month we're on the road doing something. You know, I'm taking them down. I'll try to work while I'm traveling with them. And it's actually kind of funny, you know, not too long ago, I was sitting and driving around an Audi and now I'm jumping in the minivan, yeah. you know, doing newsletters and have a bottle in the other. But the impact that I want to be able to make is I'm paving a new path forward with what I believe is the best possible scenario for myself, my family, and for the future of my children. Like I want to strengthen them so much at every turn. And when I look at the norm, like that, that words always drove me crazy. Like ever since I was a little kid. And when I look at my kids now is like, how do I set them up for success? How do I create these routines and the structure in my family where it's easy? That's the anchor. They know it and they know that's the anchor. And the stronger that gets, the, the easier it is for me to actually travel because it's like, okay, we're so strong that when you leave, it's not that big of a yeah. deal as opposed to the opposite where you're gone all the time and we don't even really know you and you and the structure that you really want for us and the values that you want to implement in this family are kind of just superficial at best. They're not real. They're not really enacted or, or used and disciplined in our family. So I think for me, that's the season that I'm in is realizing that they're the most important thing that I could possibly do in this world. So if I give all my effort as a leader and, and a father to my kids and I create that pathway and that structure to the point where I don't want to say it's automated because it's never going to be automated, but it's, it's a firm least, foundation. It's a firm foundation. It's reliable for them where they know what to expect. They know where they're going. They see their future. They see everything starting to come together. Then it will give me a little bit more confidence. Uh, also, you know, I was traveling around for a while and it was just chaos. Yeah. You know, we waste a lot of time traveling. When you're on a plane going back and forth or you have a job that's an hour away and you got to do that every day. I mean, to me personally, like I want to refine all those things so everything is extremely efficient. And, you know, I would adapt to whatever the circumstances are. But when I'm given the opportunity, I'm always going to pick the choice of trying to create efficiencies with giving them the time. You know? That makes sense. Have you read the book Tribe of Mentors? No. By, uh, Not yet. Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss so, yeah. yeah, so he's got all these uber successful people in all these different disciplines that he interviews. But when I was reading, and everybody's got different things that they do, but when I look at, like, what was your most valuable uh, investment from everyone, you know, and no one was talking about Uber or in Facebook or any of these things. They were talking about home gym. They were talking about a house close to work. They were talking about optimizing their life so they can make bigger impacts. So, you know, that's one thing that I've kind of been on a kick lately. It's like my house is a mile away from here. You know, I got the gym there. I've got this, the pool there for the kids. I got, uh, I can step way. I can come straight from here to there. Their little community is right within that. Not that they live in a bubble. I don't want them to live in a bubble, but optimizing our time, our energy, all those things right in there. So then we can go make a greater impact because we do go, 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 go that, you know, I want them traveling with us and traveling the world and all this stuff too. But when we're in it, it's not a rat race as much as it is controlled movement, you know? Uh, so I'm still trying to figure out that optimization, that, that optimization where we're still close we can rapidly make decisions, but also that falls on finance too. It's like, you know, where, where does finance become a part where you're leveraged versus you have the, the cash so you can take the time and sit back if you need to. Where can you do? All these things are in that optimization circle and it's just a constant building on that, man. Yeah, I think it takes intentionality too. I've been using that word a lot lately. If we identify these things and we know that they need to be improved, but we're not intentional about them. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier too, the, the motivation piece. You know, in, in a world where we have YouTube at our fingertips, we have access to any personality in the world that's alive and, and evolving and giving great advice. 
And then we get all this motivation and hoorah, like, let's go. But it's the follow through of everything. I mean, simple things like creating a budget, creating goals, creating plans. It's amazing how hard that is for some people to do, to stop and take 30 minutes to take a piece of paper and a pen and just write down what you want your life to become. I mean, why is that so difficult for people to wrap their head around? I mean, it's really not that hard, but it's like people put themselves in a state of paralysis because it's almost like they're going to have to get uncomfortable for a minute to confront what And that's what it is. It's the, it's the, it's uncomfortable. It's just like the first time you dig into your books, like heavily dig into your books or you got to do your finance report and you're like, Oh my God, I don't want to look. It's the same thing. It's just the uncomfort. But once you get it, the, Knowing is the freeing part, man. That's what I hope everyone takes from from these types of things is like do the dive. You know, knowing is freedom when it comes to your goals, even if they're hard and they seem like they're forever away. Knowing with your finance, just know, you know, what's your overhead every month? Uh, uh, how, you know, what? How much are you Don't bleeding ask, every month? Uh, yeah, anyway. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like all those things, they're scary. Yeah. But so I think that's what it comes to. That's and, and it's ultimately people aren't challenged in those things or they don't see it in examples with their families or their and we're basing it on what we know rather than what is out there. Because even for me, I'll I'll work. I'll talk with someone. Even I'll talk with you. I'll talk to my coach, Brian Kane, who's awesome. I'll talk to anybody like the you know, I'll hear something I'm like, dude, I know you, you know, know better. Yeah, you, you, you know, know better. better. Exactly. So having people close that are mentors. I think that's, that's one of the lacking things why some people haven't been able to tap into that. And honestly, myself don't tap into some things that it's funny because we have so much information at our fingertips. They feel like there's no, there's no excuse. Right. But it's also a flood and it's hard for some people to figure out and they just haven't had the environment. It's interesting. I I don't know the answer to it because sometimes I feel convicted. Like I'll look at like Chick-fil-A and I think, you know, factory farming. You think God's happy with us with all those chickens that are growing up in a, in a warehouse? Probably not. I wouldn't imagine. I don't mind going and killing one, but if it's on a range living. But I don't know if he intended us to have 2,000 chickens in a room yeah. this big. So, and then I'm like, what's well, on me? The knowledge is out there. I should know. I should know who, who responsibly does this, who does this. But there's so much information so I'm being devil's advocate to, to some of my mindsets on things, right? There's so much information. Where is that line, right? And then there's stuff where it's like, man, you could find the most intelligent people in the world, the most inspiring people in the world, the mentors that you want to work with, the best in the world or anything. We live at a time that that's at your fingertips. You can get that. So the encouraging side is it's out there. The, the daunting side for so many people is there's so much out there, I think, and they kind of just. That was one of the key things that motivated me to start Dynamis. What you just said right there, when I was getting ready to get out and I saw these opportunities coming up and I was talking to my buddy at LBT, I was talking to the NRA, I was talking to all these people. I flipped on YouTube for the first time. People were like, yeah, you got to check out these dudes that are out there. Maybe you could like do this thing and go train people. And, and I started to look on YouTube and the first couple of videos I watched, I was like, oh my goodness. What people, a million views People watch this, and I know for sure that people don't have the filter to know whether that was bad or right or wrong. So that was one of my motivating factors to be like, I I have to do this. I have to give people a focal point to be able to show up and say, what should I be doing for training? 
how should I be approaching this this with my mindset? What gear should I be getting? So that was my motivating factor to be able to give people confidence in what we were doing. Like, hey, let me take the guesswork out of it because I went and had blood, sweat, and tears poured out for my ability to understand this stuff. And I've sacrificed countless hours to be able to build what I have today. And I want to give that to people. So that was my, one of my motivating factors. And it still is today. Now it's even worse because exactly what you just said, there's all these people out there, but where do they go? How do they know what's real and what isn't real? There's so many different things being broadcasted online that are advertisements that are catchy and flashy, make you feel connected, but then there's no follow through. And what I wrote down as you were talking was the superficial versus the subconscious. And two very powerful things to understand. We live in a hands-down superficial world, but our subconscious is actively working either with or against us continually on a constant basis. So in the superficial world where we're constantly seeing these motivating videos, these people that are out there, these ads, and then we don't have the ability to filter that down, it's like it puts people in a state of paralysis. It really does. So when people are starting to move through, you know, one of my things about success, about where I am today, and how I understand how to build good character, and all these things, is follow through. Following through with what I say I'm going to do. And I can't tell you how many people I work with that don't do that. And I mean, I'm totally guilty of it. Believe me, I've had to learn the hard way multiple times. But that's why I know it's so important to me now. It's like no is my favorite word at this point. It's like I have got to say no more. Because we end up in a place where we overpromise everybody in our lives and we don't add value to anybody. We constantly are in a state of, yeah, 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 yeah. Everything's exciting. And I'm in a room, I'm in rooms now where I watch deals go down or people start relationships and I just sit back in the room and I just watch it unfold. And everybody's, yeah, totally high five. Everything's gonna be great. And I'm just like, okay, well, we'll see where all we're at in five years from now. And I'm just gonna still be here doing what I believe in and I'm gonna keep it and I'm gonna stay consistent and I'm gonna have, be, have progress. And I think that a lot of people need to go in. What do we always talk about? One of the most important principles are is awareness. If you don't know what's happening, you're not going to be able to identify that it's an issue or working for you. So if you're not aware of the fact that these things exist in the superficial realm, it's just like you're just going to keep going through this cycle over and over and over again. And that creates a lack of commitment. And then you just see people not commit to anything. Like, ooh, this is cool. Ooh, this is cool. Ooh, this is cool. I feel so bad for kids in college these days. You know, 20 years ago, people were like, I know exactly what I'm going to do. This is exactly the path I'm going to be on, and I'm going after it. Now, go ask 10 kids right now. And tell me that all, all of them don't sit there and tell you like, I don't really know what I'm going to do. I don't really, there's so many options. And it's like, whoa, like these kids have no idea where they're going to go. And then they sit in that mode in this vicious cycle because they get captured with all the superficial distractions for 10 years. They're like, wait a minute, I'm 35 years old and I haven't done shit but sit on my couch and play Call of Duty. And then now I don't have anything to show for it. I haven't made an impact in this world. What am I really doing? And I think that that's what we're just seeing consistently with the superficial versus subconscious is that we have to be aware of the superficial and we have to grow our subconscious. You know, and it's just, uh, it's a relationship that I think is interesting, which is why I wrote it down. No, that's good, man. What's the, what's the solution? What do you, what do you think? You know, for there, there's so many people, I don't know what, what are we going on? We're, we're good. There's so many that, there's so many, I, I would say, for, I know for the, our demographic, 18 to, to 25 is, it's like our biggest demographic. So the people I would listen to this, the majority are in that that range. Then it goes into the up to forty five usually. 
the question is, is for people that are in that, whether it's in the mode, literally like, I don't know when they are playing video games and you snap out of it. Right. Or if it's the people that are even not, not they haven't found their purpose. They could be high achievers. Right. And they still haven't found their purpose. There's so many people that haven't found fulfillment. What is the, uh, in, in your, for, from your advice, what do they do to find that? How do they, how do they challenge themselves? How do they audit that in their heads? Pray. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, when you have to dig deep and realize, I always talk about truths. Like, what do you know is the truths in your life? Your life. What are you convicted of? What are you convicted of a thousand percent that nothing will stop you from doing? And that's where everything starts. And even if it's at the smallest level, even if it's somebody's like, I'm all over the place, I don't know, I don't have any purpose. If I spend 10 minutes talking with you, and I know people are like, well, I'm not going to be able to sit down with you for 10 minutes and talk, but you really have to reflect. The day that I got out of the military, and this is what I can relate to it, you know, it was easy when I was going after the Trident. I always wanted to do it. Eight, nine years old, I was like me and John from Divine Canines are locked on. This is what we want to do in life. I lost my way. I was a punk. I was arrested several times. I screwed all kinds of things up. Uh, you know, I'm lucky I wasn't shot, killed, or, or threw in jail. But I, I woke up one day and I refocused. And I got to the point where it was easy to focus on the Trident. It was like anything that was within or it took to obtain the Trident was the path that was on. So it didn't matter. It was a singular focus. And what I realized is that I needed that same type of focus when I got out of the military because I was really all over the place. I read the book, The One Thing. And it was a really, really good book for me to read. And my buddy Andrew Klein gave it to me. And it was like, hey, you know, you need to be focusing on one thing in order to be successful. McDonald's focused on the one thing, the one hamburger. Apple focused on the one thing. So what's the one thing that you're focused on? And that's more important than anything else that you're doing. And that's what the book is about. It's summarized in a sentence. And when I started to realize that, and how all over the place I was, I was like, really don't have the one thing right now. I had to stop for a full day. And I always challenge people, if you don't have that in your mind, you're just running around in circles. You're running around aimlessly with no purpose and no direction. And this world is so convenient for you to get wrapped up in like, let me just make myself feel good for another day. Let me drink a beer. Let me sit in front of the TV. Let me play some video games. Let me get distracted. Let me talk to my friend that's going to validate everything that I'm doing wrong because they want to feel that too because they don't want to be vulnerable enough to confront their own vulnerabilities. Like it's this, this self-licking ice cream cone that we just put a Band-Aid on and put a Band-Aid on and put a Band-Aid on. But you're not really stopping to refocus on where you really want to go to make an impact. And once you actually stop and you cut out all that stuff, you start to be able to see more awareness in your life. And I just challenge people to stop everything that you're doing. I think it's worth, if you don't have that in your heart and your mind, whatever dead-end job that you're working, wherever you're at, wherever you're growing in your life, whatever distractions, it's worth stopping everything cold turkey right now and just walking out of the house and just walking until you figure it out. Because if you don't, you're going to spend the rest of your life trying to. And one day you're going to wake up and it's going to be too late. Good stuff. Yeah. That was good. So, so to consolidate that, we, we always end it with if, um, if you had to give someone a one-week challenge, right? Someone listening to this, young or old, whoever's listening, what is that, that one-week challenge that they enact as they listen to you speak it? What would you give them? So for one week, you have seven days. So essentially, anything that you want to improve in your life, whether it's that one thing that I just talked about and finding your real mission and purpose in life and what you're living for, you have to be able to connect to what's adding up to who you're becoming for that vision and that 
goal. And essentially what you need to do is figure out who you are. And what the most impactful thing that you can do is basically start right now, right this second. If there's anything of who you want to become, the second you have the self-realization that that's where you want to go, if you don't write down or take a physical action towards that goal immediately, you just got one more bad rep and not doing what you said you were supposed to be doing. So anything that you comes into your mind as you're listening to this or anything that you already know about yourself, if you spend any more than 30 seconds left after you listen to this right now and don't do something about who you want to become, you've already failed. You've already got a bad rep and going backwards to where you want to be going. So in this seven days, find out what that is, take action immediately within the next 30 seconds, and then start adding that to your routine every single day, multiple times a day, and do not stop reminding yourself about it. It takes 21, 21 days to create a habit. Don't skip a single day. It takes 60 to 90 days to lock in that habit. Don't skip a single day in that 60 to 90 days. If you do, it's just not, not, not that meaningful to you. And it's really not that much of a priority and God has a different plan for you. But if you have the discipline and you have the focus and it's truly what you want, stop everything and start enacting it and take action immediately and follow through for seven days and don't stop. Dude, that was awesome. Yeah, man. That was fun, man. We blew through an hour right there. Yeah. I mean, every time we usually sit yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we do lunches like this and it just keeps going. People in the restaurants are looking at us like, <laughs> what the hell are these guys doing? Changing the world. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, hey, that was awesome, man. Where can people find you? So you can go to crusheverything.com. That's going to be the focal point for everything. You know, social media to me is fleeting. I always expect it not to be there. But if you sign up for our newsletter at crusheverything.com, that's the best place to, we send emails. I try to add value to people. Uh, Dom Rosso on Instagram. And we've got a bunch of different companies out there, you know, doing multiple things. But that will give you the focal point. Awesome. And are you doing any courses? Yeah, we've got one course left for the year. We've got a blade course. I do a lot of private training. And the biggest thing that we've launched is Armor Up, which is basically majority, majority of that is a physical program that basically is a culmination of my life's work and experience in my career, giving people the A-plus answer to be able to have a three-phase program to teach them awareness, mindset, combatives, uh, physical fitness, core strength, and a bunch of other aspects of that. And it's an online subscription, so it's super obtainable, affordable. And people can go and purchase that for a month or six months. And that's really what we're doing to engage online because I'm able to reach more people with my time. And I think it's the part of the future. And there's a lot of things that are going to come with that. So that's that's one of the biggest focuses right now. You heard it. Sign up. Go check them out. You guys will not regret it. Dom, it's been fun, man. Yeah, man. Always, Jeremy. Thank you. Yeah. You guys are crushing it. Thanks, man.